Hi guys, it's Damio Diwali here, back again from the Sports Gazette. We're going to talk about part two of our NBA playoffs predictions. This time it's going to be the Western Conference. I'm back with two of the colleagues that I was talking to the other day. Hi guys, how's it going? It's Jeremy again. Hi guys, Bailey, here again. <laughs> All right, we're going to get on to the Western Conference now. So we're just going to get straight into it now. The number one seed. Let's start off with one of the most hated and the most underrated <laughs> number one seeds in NBA history, the Utah Jazz. Now, regardless of the Utah's, regardless of Utah's great performances this season, critics have always seen this team as a pretender because of their lack of truly elite superstars. The situation is similar to the Pacers, but on a much higher level, I'd say. In recent years, the Jazz have been known for their elite defense, but the question's always been whether their offense could mirror that. Now, this year, the Jazz have had the league's third-best defense, but the difference has been their offense, which is fourth-best in the league, which is great. Their first in three-point is made and fifth in three-point percentage, which means they're elite offensively and defensively. The real question comes with the playoffs. In, their past, in the past, their two-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, has been played off the court against teams with elite guards. This year, the West is full of them, with the likes of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, etc. Okay, speaking of guards, recently, the Jazz have been missing their star guards, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley Jr. with injury. How well they recover, and if they recover in time, will be a key factor in deciding Utah's playoffs fate. Now, guys, Utah Jazz heavily disrespected Shaquille O'Neal disrespects Rudy Gobert all the time. What do you think of the Utah Jazz and their chances in the playoffs this year? Probably pretty similar to what um, the Atlanta Hawks were from a couple of years ago when they were the number one seed in the East. It's, the problem with Utah is it's not that they like, they're not the same the Indiana and that they do have a superstar in Donovan Mitchell who is, you know, he is ridiculous, but he doesn't play defense as much as you would maybe want your star player to. And then you've obviously got the stifled tar in Rudy Gobert, who in a modern day NBA is just a bit of an aging center. And he he is great at locking down the paint. But as you said, the West is very guard dominated. Or if it's not guards, you've got three-way wings who can just drag you out to the three-point line and just constantly uh, make you pay from beyond the arc. So the thing with the Jazz is they have to have Mike Conley and Dolvin Mitchell fit because if, if those two guys aren't rolling, this team's getting bounced in the first round because there's just – there's no – they just don't have the offensive firepower to deal with some of these teams. I mean, you think about it, they could potentially play Golden State in the first round. You know, if you've no Donovan Mitchell, no Mike Conley, who's going to match Steph Curry if he goes off for 30 or 35 points? So, uh, to me, the Jazz, unless they have those two guys fit, can't take them seriously, and even then – this team is limited. Um, as we've seen, a lot of these top teams don't really care about the regular season. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs. But I imagine it's probably a second round exit. For like whoever wins that eighth seed is a ticket to the second round of the playoffs, basically. Even if Jonathan Mitchell and Mike Connolly do get fit, the chemistry won't be there. They have to get up to speed. And I think it will be too late for them. The Utah Jazz... They got close last year uh, with Mike Connolly's last second shot. It just uh, bounced out of the rim. And I think that was the furthest they would have got last year, second round. And this year, I think the furthest, if they do get any, if they do progress at all, it'll be the second round again. So I can't really see too much for the Utah Jazz. I think they are the pretender to the, to the crown, definitely. Oh, man. I started off saying the Utah Jazz are most hated and we just continued that hating. Anyway, let's go on to the number two seed with the Phoenix Suns. It seems that Chris Paul has become an expert at transforming the fortunes of teams that are projected to have bad records. Let's talk about last year. This happened with the OKC Thunder when ESPN gave them a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs and they almost won a first round series against the Rockets. This year is no different and people may say they expected Phoenix to improve because they went 8-0 in the bubble last year. But I don't think anyone expected them to be competing for the number one seed. Now, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton have both improved with Ayton taking significant strides on defense. Obviously, Paul's helped with that, with the communication. We've seen the same with him and DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers. Mikel Bridges has upped his game. Cameron Johnson's still a great shooter. And Jay Crowder's continued the trend of making every team he goes to tougher to face. 
<laughs> now, here comes the irony. The irony of the Sun situation is, as the two seed, if the Lakers beat the Warriors in the playing tournament, then the Suns will have to go up against one of the favourites in the first round. Considering the fact that Phoenix are returning to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Obviously, there's great playoff history between the Lakers and the Suns, like the 2006 playoffs when Phoenix won the series 4-3 in the first round. Could history repeat, repeat itself? Let's see. Also, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. He was great that series. All right, guys. Phoenix Suns, number two seed. What do you think about their chances? Yeah, it's good to see Chris Paul finally get the recognition he deserves because it is no coincidence that every team he goes to, they seem to get better. And the reason is, for someone like Devin Booker, the reason he's been able to progress is that Devin Booker is not a true point guard. He's one of these sort of two guards that can handle the ball. But by having a true point guard and have somebody who can dictate the offense, but a bit similar to Rajon Rondo, but just a bit with a bit more range and a, a higher ability to score. Chris Paul has transformed this offense, and you can see with him on the floor and when, when he's not on the floor, there is a big difference. The problem for the Suns is the problem that the Jazz have. It's the problem that the Trailblazers have is they're guard-dominated. And when you play the Lakers, it's a case of, yes, DeAndre Ayton's been good, but he's never gone up against playoff LeBron, AD, Andre Drummond is a different beast in the paint. So the, 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 the Suns are definitely, like if you look at their wins, it was the last three years, it is steadily increasing. So the Suns' next objective should be to try and get one of these sort of 3 and D wing defenders. But in terms of just their overall development, they will give the Lakers problems because Chris Paul will give the Lakers fits. But I imagine this was the one team they probably wanted to avoid in the first round. And unfortunately, because of the Lakers' injuries, they're going to get them in the first round. Yeah, I'm echoing uh, Jeremy here. I think CP3 finally is getting a recognition he deserves. He overachieved with the Thunder last year. With the Rockets, he was doing well as well. And now it's with the Suns. Finally, he's uh, getting a recognition he deserves. So I feel like everyone wants to see uh, Phoenix versus the Warriors in the first round. One Possibly one more CP3 first death matchup. We saw in the, uh, I think it was the 2018 and 19 uh, playoffs with Houston and Warriors, they had the little personal vendetta going on with uh, CP3 celebrating in front of uh, Steph Curry after making that hard three. So I think everyone wants to see that again. And also, I feel like it would be a great playoff series. Uh, I reckon it could go the whole seven games. So I really do hope for the sake of the NBA, the Phoenix Suns do come against uh, Golden State Warriors and Steph uh, uh, gets past the Lakers so this can happen. But I do feel like the Phoenix, they will get found out later in the playoffs if they do progress for, uh, past the first round. So they won't get to the finals, I don't think. Oh, man. I think I just heard some LeBron hate in there, but I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> Let's go into the number three seed with the Denver Nuggets. I feel like the Denver Nuggets has just... I, think, I, I feel like they've just been finessed by the LA Clippers, who are now the number four seed. So... Regardless, the Nuggets have the clear MVP in Nikola Jokic, in my opinion. For me, the MVP needs to have great numbers, play a lot of games and improve on off-floor if possible. Jokic has done all those things. And in the past, he'd often come into the season out of shape, a little chubby and start slowly, but that's not the case this year. Also, the narrative of Jokic being a terrible defender is slowly dying. He's improved and his defence is important in a different way. He's not an athletic shot blocker like Gobert, who has a high defensive IQ and is disruptive with deflections and strip steals. The Nuggets are going to be without Jamal Murray, who lit up the bubble last year in that first round series against Donovan Mitchell. 40 points, 50 points all over the place. But Michael Porter Jr. stepped, on, stepped up in his place. I call Michael Porter Jr. the mini Kevin Durant. And I call him that because... Before his injuries, a lot of draft predictions saw, Mike, um, saw Porter Jr. as the number one pick in 2018, and this year he's shown why. In the first 10 games after Murray's injury, Porter averaged almost 26 points per game, and his shooting splits were insane as well. So in addition to that, the acquisition of Aaron Gordon has given Nikola Jokic another love threat, and Will Barton is back to his best. They're a very solid team. They're coached well with coach Mike Malone, another coach that Sacramento let go. We're not going to talk about Sacramento because I, I really feel sorry for their fans at this point, but let's just focus on the Nuggets. Denver Nuggets, what are your thoughts about them, guys? 
I think it's just the one team that is pretty much set up perfectly to face anybody in, in the league when healthy. Because you look at it, you know, Jamal Murray in the playoffs seems to just go to another level. It's, it's quite strange to watch. But but when you think about it, they've got an athletics, well, I say athletic, they have a, a center who can, you know, can play in the paint, can play mate, can shoot the three. They've got the wing defenders um, and people like Aaron Gordon to cause fits for the opposition superstars. They've got the guard and Jamal Murray. They've got the three-point shooting. They seem to have everything. The problem is obviously with Jamal out this year, you lose that a little bit. But if there's one team, I think teams like the Lakers and the Clippers would want to avoid, it is Denver because they are set up perfectly. The only issue I would have is someone like Michael Porter Jr. is great in offense, but in defense, he's still got a lot to learn. And guys like Aaron Gordon have never been involved in intense playoff battles yet, so we've yet to see what these guys are going to be like. But I think Denver is probably valued at about the three seed, and I think the three seed reflects how good they really are. I think they're better than the Suns and the Jazz, but I don't think they're as good as the Clippers and the Lakers. But in terms of just overall what I think they can expect. There's no reason this team can't get to the finals when Jamal's fit. The problem is, is he's not going to be. So that limits their offense a little bit. Their guard play is going to be down. So I, I would be shocked if this team makes the conference finals, but I do think they'll get past Portland. Yeah, I think the fate of the Nuggets was uh, uh, secured when uh, it was announced that Jamal Murray tore his ACL. I think everyone knew that now. The Nuggets, they can't do better than last year. They had an amazing run last year. Jamal Murray was going crazy in the playoffs, especially that jump against LeBron James, you know. And uh, however, I just feel like they'll get undone by Portland and by Dame time and CJ McCollum, unfortunately. So for the Nuggets, I think it's the first round exit. If they had Jamal Murray, who knows, as Jeremy said, they might have got to the finals, uh, conference finals, sorry, maybe not the NBA finals. But next year, when, Jamal's very, when Jamal Murray's back for the year after, they definitely have a future there. I reckon in the near future, they will get to the final because they have a good structure there with, uh, the, with uh, the, the Joker and with Jamal Murray. But unfortunately, this year, the injuries have really stopped them and I feel, I feel like they'll go out in the first round. Now, let's talk about the most hated team from last, well, in my opinion, the most hated team from last year, the LA Clippers. So the, the Clippers might have dumped the Lakers until the conference finals, but... No one's really going to forget of how the, about how they robbed us of the opportunity of an all-LA battle in the playoffs last year. A, a collapse after a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets that had everyone clowning them on social media. Why? Because of all the advertising the Clippers did before the 1920 season. Kawhi Leonard's This Is My City advertisement, Paul George and Leonard's We Over Me advertisement. A lot of these were um, viewed as veiled shots against the Lakers and it backfired against the Clippers in glorious fashion because the Lakers were viewed as the Hollywood team who was supposed to be all stuck up and all privileged, but they, they, had, the, they had the defense, they were gritty, they worked hard and the Clippers were the privileged ones with all their arguments against the refs, all that kind of stuff. So this season, they've flown under the radar They've changed their coach. They've traded away Harrell and eventually Lou Williams. And they've just played basketball without all the extracurricular stuff. Paul George has had a great bounce back regular season. Emphasis on the regular because he always plays good in the regular season, but his problem's been in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard's been great once again in his quiet way. But even he put up a stinker in game seven of the Nuggets series. So... In terms of the Clippers, I just want to see if this new focus and intensity can translate into the playoffs. Let's see how it works out for them. So, LA Clippers, guys, the last year's most hated team, in my opinion. What do you think about them this year and how they'll perform in the playoffs? I think you've mentioned that the key pretty much lies with, with Paul George. Are we going to get what he dubbed himself as, as playoff P or are we going to get pandemic P, way off P, um, CP3? George Paul, you know, what, what, what are we going to get? And, and that, that's the problem is George or Paul George, sorry, in the playoffs has been an absolute disaster when, when you really need him. I refer back to the Oklahoma series a couple of years ago. Everyone banged on about Russell Westbrook. And I was like, you do realize Paul George laid the biggest brick of all when he had about three points in a game seven or well, when the game was on the line, he had three points. Paul George, when the lights are the brightest, goes missing. And then the problem then becomes is then Kawhi Leonard becomes the centerpiece. And everyone says, Kawhi, you got to stand up and lead this team. And Kawhi just doesn't 
doesn't say anything, just doesn't do anything. And when if I'm someone like if I'm someone like a Luke Kennard on that team, I look at Kawhi Leonard, and if you're in you in the trenches, things are getting tough, and Kawhi's sitting there looking at his massive hands, not saying anything, not doing anything, just trying to do his own thing. That doesn't inspire confidence. And the problem I feel with the Clippers is the Clippers were before the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George arrived, they were a hardworking, gritty team that, you know, when they played the Warriors, they took them to six games. They should never take them six games, but they did. These two guys come in and it's all, instead of hardworking, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, rest time. You know, we're, we're um, I'm going to not play back to backs. And that rubbed the whole team the wrong way. So they did the right thing, getting rid of those guys from the year before and like Lee Williams and Harold and those ones and bringing in Rajon Rondo. But the problem is, is I still look at them and I go, you're the worst team in the league in the last four to five minutes of the game, or four or five minutes of the game. The only other teams that are down there are teams that are going to be in the top five in terms of uh, draft picks. So that doesn't tell me you're good in the clutch. And are we going to get playoff Rondo? And are we going to be allowed to get playoff Rondo? Is, is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, are they going to be able to set aside their egos and let Rondo dictate the offense? Because since he's come in, that's not been the case. So... I'm still skeptical as to whether this Clippers team will go far, but I am 100% convinced they're not going to the finals. Gosh, harsh words there, Jeremy, harsh words. But uh, all I have to say is the Clippers getting Dallas uh, in the first round is probably a blessing in disguise. They can actually have the motivation to get revenge and it can push them, give them the confidence to go further in the NBA playoffs. And it is a true test to show if they are a serious team like you have the chance to get revenge in the first round. This is a perfect opportunity to, to let off the pandemic P, uh, the, let off the pandemic P, uh, the, yeah, the name. Paul George, you can show up, beat the Dallas Mavericks, show up, you know, finally show your name, show that you're a serious player in the playoffs. Kawhi, show that you're a leader against the Dallas Mavericks. Make the team scared of you because you showed by, by tanking the last games, you showed that you're scared to play the Lakers early in the rounds. So now you have to beat the Dallas Mavericks. You have to beat the Dallas Mavericks. You cannot lose and you have to win comfortably if you're going to do that. It's simple as you can't duck a team and then have the confidence to think you're going to win the ring. Play the best teams early, get them out the way and then win the ring. So they have to beat the Dallas Mavericks. And I think they will. Also, I feel like, Jeremy, you've been harsh on Kawhi. He looks like his hands on the bench. He's a silent leader. We saw the Raptors. Some leaders are just silent. I feel like he's a silent leader. He leads by example. He did in the playoffs in the bubble. He was leading by example. It was just his teammates around him were not helping him. As playoff P, as you say, pandemic P was absolutely a shambolic. It was a shambolic performance from him. So I feel like the Clippers, uh, it's hard to say, but I feel like they will get to the finals this year. It depends. If the Lakers, uh, if they play the Lakers in the conference finals, then they will lose. But they have to avoid the Lakers, I think, to get to the final. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do against the against the uh, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Sorry. Yeah, but you said about Kawhi being a silent leader. Like I would argue, Kawhi and the Raptors was the the, the integral piece because they don't win it without him. But the heartbeat of that team was either Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry, and that's my issue. Is if if Kawhi wants to be one of the best players on the planet, he wants to be perceived as one of the greatest wings of all time. You have to be seen as a leader, and leaders are like LeBron. They show emotion. They try and lock down the opposition. They take the ball in the clutch to say, get out of my way. And against the Nuggets, he just collapsed. And it just looked like fragile Kawhi showed up. And it's something we'd never seen. Like before we'd seen him as be labeled almost as the robot. But he's not, he's, I don't see Kawhi as a leader. And that's why I'm saying is they have to let Rajon Rondo take over because Rajon Rondo is a leader. He is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. If they do that, then that is the best version of the Clippers will be. But if Kawhi and Paul George in the clutch decide, no, I'm the highest paid player in this team, I'm going to take the ball, then that's when the Clippers will have problems. I don't want to pile on Kawhi Leonard here, but I just want to build on what Jeremy said. I think Kyle Lowry was a vocal leader, the heartbeat of the Raptors. He's He is the most important Raptor in recent history. And if you even want to go back further, um, in, in the 2015-16 season, uh, everyone was talking about the Golden State Warriors, 73-9. But we can't forget about the San Antonio Spurs. They were 67-15. I think they only lost one game at home in the whole regular season, right? In the second round, they go up against who we've criticized before, Russell Westbrook and the Thunder. They had KD at the time as well. But they just fell apart. And you can't expect 40-year-old Tim, Tim Duncan to do it. Manu was old. Tony Parker was old. And then Kawhi just against KD fell apart. So 
the, the criticisms that Jeremy has about Kawhi, I think they're valid. And I think I just want to see more from him. I don't want to see him being boisterous and shouting and all that because that's not in his personality, but he just needs to be a bit more expressive, show his show his motivation, show his talent. And I, I think it will shine through in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win the championship, but I think it will shine through. Okay, guys. Uh, apart, uh, let, let's move on from all of that LA Clippers hating. <laughs> I feel kind of sick about it. But Bailey was talking about the Dallas Mavericks there, and it's a great segue into the <clears throat> the number five seed Dallas Mavericks. So I guess Luka Doncic, Mark Cuban, and the Mavs don't hate the playing tournament anymore, seeing as they've avoided it. But Luka's been great once again. He's putting up MVP worthy numbers most of the time without his partner in crime, Chris Nats Porzingis. And the more I think about it, it looks like the Knicks might have won that Porzingis trade just because of the amount of time he's missed. The Mavs will be delighted if Paul Zingas was putting up the numbers that Julius Randle was putting up, even in the shooting category, which is what I find amazing because Randle's just changed his game. He's become an elite shooter, which is crazy. He doesn't just have great three-point shooting numbers, but um, he he shoots a lot of them as well. So <laughs> it's, it's funny how those two have kind of warped in their careers. But regardless of that, the Mavs have been good this year, but their offense hasn't matched up to last season, which is nothing, it's nothing to be ashamed of because considering it was the best team offense in league history last year, which was crazy. I remember watching a game on Sky Sports at Lakers Mavericks when the Lakers were starting to pick up their form and I really thought the Lakers were going to destroy the Mavericks, but the Mavericks absolutely wiped the floor with them. So that's when I knew that 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 Mavericks offense was special. But moving on to this season, well, actually, let's talk about last season a bit more. If Porzingis didn't get in, injured in the playoffs last year, I still believe the Mavs would have beaten the, the Clippers in the first round. And obviously, with a star like Luka Doncic, honestly, anything can happen. So Dallas Mavericks guys, Rick Carlisle, Mark Cuban, great infrastructure. Loads of battles against the San Antonio Spurs. Just a great team, and I'm 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 really glad that they're back in in the playoffs and just competing for championships. So Dallas Mavericks guys, what are your thoughts on the Mavs and how they can progress this season, or if they're just gonna stop in the first round? What are your thoughts, guys? The Mavericks are the one team in the NBA. If you're neutral, I would say pay to watch them because they are very exciting to watch. So. There's one player in the NBA I always I would always pay to watch, and that's Russell Westbrook. And there's one team I would always look to watch, which is the Mavericks. They are very exciting, but that exciting is the unpredictability. And that's the bit where you're not really sure what team will show up, hence why they are the 5C. But the, the thing is with the Mavericks is the Mavericks have a very dangerous offense. And that is something, if you are a Clippers team that at times has been challenged at scoring in the clutch, this team does not have a problem with scoring in the clutch. Their, their problem does mainly lie on the defensive end. But in terms of just you know, the Porzingis trade, I remember at the time everyone was outraged that the Knicks traded Porzingis. I think as this season's gone, it has sort of looked like the Knicks have came back in that trade a little bit and looks like they might be winning it. But the thing is, is everyone has to remember, Porzingis is regarded as a unicorn. He's seven foot three, can shoot threes, plays in the paint, very good defensive player. And you just feel like if he gets healthy, which is the big if, but if he gets healthy, then that's when this team becomes really dangerous. Because then you go, Donjic can go off, Porzingis can go off. You then add players like Tim Hardaway, you're a part of that squad. You've got a lot of smart, savvy veterans. You know, last year, I... A bit surprised they gave up Seth Curry. I thought they maybe should have kept him because he's a 50 to 20 point a night kind of person in the playoffs. You you just don't know. But with Rick Carlisle as the head coach, that that adds something as well to this team as he is widely regarded as one of the top five coaches in the NBA. I wouldn't be shocked if they put the Clippers out, just surely based on their offensive firepower. But if I had to say, I probably would go with the Clippers. But but this team is very exciting to watch on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, I just have to say that the Mavericks, they have no expectations for the playoffs, no pressure. I feel like they can just go and play their game. Everyone expects the Clippers to win. Everyone, all the pressure's on the Clippers as they, as they have to get revenge. And this could benefit players like Luka Doncic um, and Tim Hardaway Jr. who can just ball out and just shoot the lights out of the court. So it will be interesting to see. But I just feel like the Clippers will have too much for the Dallas Mavericks to have more motivation due to what happened last year. But you just never know what can happen. Luca can just turn up and win the games by himself, as we saw last year. So it will be interesting to see. But unfortunately, I think the Dallas Mavericks season ends at the playoff first round. Okay, guys, we're moving through this quite quickly. 
let's go on to the number six seed, the Portland Trailblazers. So it's been it's, it's practically a miracle that the Blazers have avoided the playing tournament, considering all the injuries that they've had. CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic have missed significant time. But once again, Damian Lillard has proved why he's one of the league's best players this season. The, plays, the Blazers have the same problems that they've always had this year. Their offense is very good, fifth best in the league, which is great considering all the injuries. But their defense is still absolutely terrible. Second worst in the league. And for a fifth seed, second worst defense in the league is actually appalling. But I'm sure they thought Robert Covington would boost their defense. And he is a great, he is a good defender in space uh, as a secondary defender, as a help defender. But I don't think he's the elite defend, the elite one on one defender that everyone thinks he is. So the Blazers are going to face the Nuggets in the first round. And it's going to be an epic rematch of their 2018-19 season seven-game series. Um, but this time, I think I just think even without Jamal Murray, I think the Nuggets are still the better team with the way Jokic has improved. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. has come on. But if CJ McCollum is back and healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a performance like he did in Game 7 of 2019 when he just went crazy and got the Blazers through to the next round, to the conference finals. So, guys... Portland Trailblazers, I think they're starting to get a little stale with Terry Stotts as the coach. I think he's been the coach for nine years now. A lot of people are calling for his head, but when you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. So what are your thoughts about the Portland Trailblazers and what they can do in the playoffs this year? Portland always feels like the little engine that could. And the, the problem with that is Portland, Portland matches up in the backcourt well against a lot of teams. But the problem with Portland has been the problem for the last couple of years is they don't have a great two-way wing. And if you don't have a great two-way wing, you're not doing much in the NBA, unfortunately, because they've had McCollum and Lillard for how many years now? And, and how many NBA finals have they made? You know, you, you don't make NBA finals unless you, you have a great two-way wing. And the interesting thing is that with, with Jamal Murray out for Denver, you go, well, they match up pretty well against Denver's backcourt. And they might be able to... Um, match the scoring of someone like Michael Porter Jr. with someone like Melo coming off the bench. But this team always just to me feels like, can you not just bite the bullet and just trade CJ McCollum? Because he's just, he's he's either injured and he's not a superstar. He's in that like Chris Middleton class of like, he'll give you, you know, big points, but are they meaningful points? And in the biggest moments of the playoffs, does he really show up? So I think this is just going to be once again, we're going to be watching game time. And I would not be surprised if right now at NBA HQ, if they're getting the DM 50 point photos ready to go up on Instagram. But, you know, th th this team, I'd be surprised if they sacked Terry Stoltz because I really look at them and go with the Clippers and the Lakers and Denver looking like the way they do. I mean, do you realistically expect to make the finals unless you add something? So, I, I always feel for Damian Lillard because I think if he wants to win a title, he has to go somewhere else because Portland's just not getting the superstar that they need. But they'll be fun to watch. If you want to watch Damian Lillard, he's going to go bonkers in every game. Um, but probably looking at, yeah, another first-round exit. Once again, I have to re uh, reiterate this. I feel like the playing tournament for the Western Conference is so crucial this year, even more than the East. I feel like it almost determines the playoff series because, for example, if Golden State do beat the Lakers and they go to play uh, Phoenix, then and uh, Portland, the Portland can definitely beat Denver Nuggets and then they'll play uh, Golden State in the, in the uh, semifinals and they can do anything they can. So it's like, it just depends on the playoff tournament for me because I can see Dame getting past death uh, I can see Dame and CJ McCollum getting past Steph. However, I can't see Dame getting past LeBron and AD. So yeah, I feel like it depends on that. And I feel like this is the year for Dame. It's a, it's a determined year if he has to leave Portland or not, because I feel like this is the best chance with the structure to get to the uh, conference finals. So yeah, I feel like this is the year for Dame to finally step up and show he's the leader of Portland and he can be a star man winning a chip. Otherwise... I feel like he has to look elsewhere, despite recently signing a match contract, for sure. Oh, big takes from Bailey there, man. But Damian Lillard, he always says he's loyal to the soil, but he could be looking for a move if things don't go well this year. Anyway, let's talk about the biggest story in the playoffs this year so far. The seven seed, I repeat, the seven seed Los Angeles Lakers, NBA champion 
Los Angeles Lakers now. The biggest indicator that this season has been ravaged by injuries is the fact that the current NBA champion LA Lakers are the seventh seed and will face off against the Golden State Warriors in the play-in tournament. Anthony Davis has only played in 36 games this season and LeBron James has missed significant time as well. But despite this, the Lakers still have the league's best defense and with both of their stars back, they should still be favorites in my opinion, even though their path is a lot more difficult this year. The addition of Andre Drummond should take the rebound and load off AD. They have scoring depth with Schroeder, Harrell, Kuzma, THT, etc. I think they'll defeat the Warriors in an explosive game um, against the league's scoring champion, Steph Curry. But the, the path for them is going to be so much harder this year. But just a little side note on the Lakers anyway, and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis and guys that have played for Kentucky in general, like Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, in that Kentucky system, they'd normally average like 10 points, but when they get into the NBA, they become these explosive scorers, and it's always so interesting to me. It's literally happened with all three of them. If you look at AD, you think he, if you look at AD's college career, you think he'd become like a Rudy Gobert type of player, but he's way more than that. Obviously, no disrespect to Rudy, of course. It's a little random, but yeah. And another side note, after yesterday's pod, we had a little GOAT debate. And I know everyone's tired of that conversation, but if LeBron gets past the playing game and wins this NBA championship, the first time the seventh seed has done it, winning all those series as the road team, as Charles Barkley would say, it's, it's time to start a dialogue. Once again, I have to say I'm a huge Jordan fan. I've loved the last dance. I just, want, I just want to keep things a little interesting. So guys, thoughts on the seventh seed NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers, crazy. I mean, if you're a casual fan, you look at the seventh seed and you go, they must have had a horrendous season. But as you've said, it's been ravaged by injury. And if you lose Anthony Davis and LeBron James for a significant period of time, you are going to subside off. But I would argue this is the best case scenario for them because now they get LeBron gets another game to get his win back. And he's up against Steph Curry. Let's not forget what LeBron's been like against Steph Curry. He had... In the first time they played the Warriors in the finals, it was LeBron James and Matthew Delvadova versus Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and Sean Livingston off the bench. The second time they did it, he had the epic comeback. Then the third and fourth time, he went up against what we all, all would argue is the greatest team of all time. There has got to be a part of LeBron James that sits there and looks at Steph Curry and goes, you done this. So... You know, if if Steph Curry and the Warriors weren't a thing, I'd be convinced LeBron would have five or six championships. He has great admiration for Steph. He loves playing with Steph. But I have no doubt in my mind he will sit there and go, I want to humiliate you in the first round of this. So I would not be shocked if he comes out in the playing game and drops an absolute hammer on the Warriors and this game's done after three quarters. Because, yes, the Warriors are explosive, but I think we're going to see something different again from LeBron. And, you know, he always says, you know, oh, I'm not going to be 100% again. And, you know, he's always talking about, oh, you know, you've been injured now. And you know, everyone's, the narrative is, oh, is LeBron James going to be able to do this? And I bet you, man, he comes out and just drops 25 points, minimum every game. He's unbelievable again in the playoffs. And, you know, we, we, we know what to expect. My my view is, is that he has taken a little time off more than he needed to, just simply to give him that little bit of rest that he got, that they got last year again. So, for me, the Lakers are still the favorites in the West. I look at every team apart, Denver and the Clippers are the only two teams I think who can match up to their wings. But the, the thing is, is just who, who on Golden State stops LeBron? Who stops Anthony Davis? And it's just, yes, Steph can drop 44 or 50 points, but you look at it and you go, but LeBron can do that as well because Andrew Wiggins is not stopping him. So... I think if he was to win another chip this year, that goat debate gets a lot stronger. But, I mean, to me, this is the best-case scenario. He gets another warm-up game. He goes and plays the Suns. He will have nobody who can stop him. So he's going to have, in my opinion, five games under his... Where's Andre Iguodala when you need him, eh? <laughs> but, um, yeah, honestly, I feel like the Lakers, they're definitely a strong uh, team going into this playoffs. I feel like they're the second-strongest team after the Nets in the whole NBA I feel like it will be a Nets, a Lakers, uh, Lakers, sorry, Nets and Lakers uh, NBA Finals, but where they're going to be seeded is the question. 
Jeremy, you're forgetting. Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. He shoots the lights out. He's on form right now. The Lakers can't guard Steph Curry. They have got no one to guard Steph Curry. Let's not sleep on him. And also, let's not forget, whilst uh, Steph did uh, prevent LeBron from getting all those chips, LeBron prevented Steph from possibly being in one of the greatest players of all time uh, conversation by making him bottle a three-one lead. So Steph has his own motivation as well. But I suppose it's, it's a smaller game, so I feel like that means less. So I'm not really going to take that into consideration. But I do think the Lakers will overcome Golden State just about. But I don't think it will be as far a margin as you say. But yeah, I do feel like the Lakers, they are strong going into this. LeBron, as you said, the playoff game was only help him going into the playoffs to get some stronger, gets him an AD, the chemistry back, then playing again. So I feel like the Lakers will definitely get to the NBA Finals regardless. However, I just want to say something about this uh, about this um, GOAT conversation. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, 91-92, um, first in the Eastern Conference. 92-93, second in the Eastern Conference. 95-96, first. 96-97, first. 97-98, first. 2021 Lakers, seventh. Um, so I'll just keep that there. Injuries or not, I'll just put that there. Also, Michael Jordan has never lost a NBA Finals. He has never gone to a Game 7. Uh, I don't think LeBron James can say the same thing. Uh, Michael Jordan has never... Um, Michael Jordan took took a step back from the sport, came back and repeated again. So, uh, the, the goal conversation shouldn't even be discussed regardless of LeBron James's uh, run so in this playoff series. Jordan plays That's- part of the great, one of the greatest teams of all time. Uh, you could argue then the regular season mattered. No one cares about it now because you could be a great team in the eighth seed and you still get to the finals. Uh, let's see, what else can we talk about? Oh, yeah, Jordan's never lost the finals. What's his first round exit look like compared to LeBron? I'm, I'm not sure what would I rather have. Would I rather get to the finals and lose or get bounced in the first round every year? I'm, I'm, I'm confused on that one. But um, I would argue as well, LeBron, he didn't create super teams, but he's definitely played in the era of super teams. So you look at every team that has beaten him, you would sit there and go, they were great at something. So I don't think, like at the minute, I would say Jordan probably realistically still holds the lead in a lot of people's eyes. I think if people like myself and Dami here, a bit more LeBron fans, he would say, no, LeBron is, is the GOAT. But I think if he was to win five or six championships, you would then start and go, okay, championships are either equal or close. Points, he's going to lead him in points. He's going to lead him in rebounds. He's going to lead him in assists. You're going to sit there and go, it'll be hard to argue in the black and white numbers that Jordan will be better. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, like if you're sitting there saying LeBron's number two of all time, that's not like that. That's not like that's a bad thing to be. <laughs> it's still great. So, like at the end of the day, I think it's even if he wins the championship this year, people will still say Michael's better. But if he could three peat, you never know. Yeah, okay, I'll give you this, Jeremy. If LeBron gets past the Clippers and gets past the Nets without a Game 7 in the finals, I'll let you have a dialogue, as Dami said. I'll let you have a dialogue if he, if he beats the Nets without having, go to, to, without having to go to a Game 7. I'll let you have a dialogue. How about that? Okay, guys, wait. I just want to interject here uh, before we get too deep into this conversation. So I'll just say this quickly. Tony Kukoc is going to be in the Hall of Fame. So that means another one of Michael Jordan's teammates is, is going to be a Hall of Famer. I'll just say that quickly. Um, in terms of LeBron James and Steph Curry, you can see the mind games already started with LeBron saying, oh, Steph's the MVP. He's so great. The mind games are beginning. And I saw a stat the other day that said LeBron James, the chosen one playmaker, the Magic Johnson comparison, has now averaged 25 plus points in 17 straight seasons. Someone who people don't consider as a scorer. So I'll just leave that there, man. We need to continue on the next teams or we're just going to be here forever, man. So let's talk about the number eight seed. Well, we talked about them a lot, actually. The Golden State Warriors. So, guys, the narrative that Steph Curry can't carry a team without stars should have been dead and buried a long time ago. But we can now say safely that it is. No Clay Thompson, no KD, yet Curry's given his team the chance to make the playoffs whilst being the scoring champion and an MVP candidate. The run of three-pointers that Curry went on in April was just ridiculous. To hit 10 three-pointers four times in a month is just nuts. I think people need to stop being so tribal when it comes to these players and just appreciate them, if you guys could. But um, 
I'm a big fan of LeBron. I'm a big fan of Curry too. From that um, Madison Square Garden performance in 2013 to his playoff performances with Clay Thompson against the Spurs in the same year, Curry's also just become the oldest player in the league to lead the league in scoring since Michael Jordan did so at 35. It's funny because Curry looks so young, people don't realise he's 33. He's older than KD, Harden, Russ, etc. He's a late bloomer because even those performances in 2013 that I talked about, everyone knew he was good before then, but because of injuries, that season was his first true breakout season and he was 25 years old. But despite all the praise I've just given Steph, you know what I'm saying. I'm still going with the Lakers. And I think they just have a much better team than the Warriors. Wiggins has improved. Draymond's returned to form. Juan Toscano Anderson is another good player that the Warriors are fun. But the Lakers are just different, man, at their best. Even without their two stars for the majority of the season, they've had the league's best defense. So come on, guys. Let's just talk about the Golden State Warriors, their chances. They Steph could go crazy, but I just want to hear your your guys' um, thoughts on the Warriors and how they'll perform in the playoffs this season. Yeah, I think I think without Steph, this team would probably be in the lottery and quite high. I mean, if your potentially second best player is Draymond Green and he's going to give you four to six points, you know, yes, I know he does great defensive work. Yes, I know he does a lot of uh, he gets a lot of assists as well, but. You know, in the playoffs, it all is about your stars getting points. And, you know, Steph is absolutely unbelievable. He gets a lot of hate. I don't know why, because I, I think it's his, it's his cutesy attitude and it's, you know, the, it's the way he plays. People hate that when he makes a three, he does that little one, two, three with his fingers. And, you know, he's always seen laughing and joking and the mouth, mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth. And, you know, everyone just sort of goes, I want my stars play hard and do this and Steph just out there having fun he's just going I'll just shoot from the logo banked it I'll do it again banked it and he's just crushed so many fans for so many years I feel that's why they hate him and now that he's almost the team is mortal they're having a go at him but he's been ridiculous this year and you know if he go I fully expect him to go out and drop at least 30 points every you know every game in the playoffs if they get there but he, he's had a phenomenal season. He should be in MVP considerations. I would imagine he'll be in everyone's top five. But, I mean, this, this guy is the greatest shooter of all time. And even, even with Clay coming back next year, I'm still not convinced that'll be enough for them to go back and contend for a title. But he's had a phenomenal year, and the Warriors have done well to even make the play-in tournament. But um, their limit is first-round max. Yeah, it's such fine margins for the Warriors. As as uh, Jeremy said, without Steph, they're a lottery, uh, they're a lottery pick team. But then with Clay, once again, I'd have to say they're a championship contending team because they create so much space with Steph and Clay and Draymond. We saw they won it, they won the chip together, they won uh, two chips together. So it's just such fine margins for the Warriors. But I feel like this year, if only they had Clay, then the Western Conference would be wide open, in my opinion. But just with Steph, I feel like. Uh, they could get past the first round, but then I feel like in the semi-finals they're out. Unfortunately, Steph, the babyface assassin, he can only do so much. I'm afraid he is the greatest shooter of all time, probably the best player in the NBA right now. You can agree or disagree with me, but in my opinion, he's the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, he's the, he's the best scorer. So that I can't. If anyone disputes me, I'll just put that up there. So unfortunately for the Warriors, I feel like, I feel like uh, they will be out in the second round of the playoffs. We're just going to ignore that best player in the NBA talk just there. We're going to go straight swiftly on to the number nine seed, the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies were involved in the playing game last season and they lost out to the Trailblazers, but they find themselves here again. This time they'll be going up against the San Antonio Spurs, a very different San Antonio Spurs, but, but they still have coach Greg Popovich. I think it's safe to say that sadly, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's, I think he's injury prone in my opinion. He's only played 11 games this year, and I really hope it works out for him because of his unique ability to shoot and defend at that size. Memphis is literally the definition of a middling offense this year, finishing 15th out of 30 teams in offensive rating, but they are a good defensive team, seventh overall, which is surprising considering how young they are. Jonas Valanciunas has been great for them as a veteran big man presence. I know he's only 29, but that counts as a veteran on this team, which is funny to say. But with John Morant, 
I know a lot of people are worried about his health in the future because of his thin frame and the amount of contact he takes. But he's played 63 games out of um, 72 this year, and he played 67 last year. So he's played quite a lot. He's improved the scoring numbers, albeit with a lower field goal percentage, and his three-point numbers have dropped as well, but he's still improving. I think if the Grizzlies get Jackson and Moran on the, same, on the court at the same time, for a long period of time, they have something special there. You've also got the Canadian contingent with Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark. So they've got a bright future, but that's emphasis on the future, though, as you'll hear when I'm talking about the San Antonio Spurs. So, guys, thoughts on Memphis and what they can do this season in the playing tournament and beyond? Not, not to disrespect this playing game, but let's be honest, this is the playing game that everyone thought forgot was happening. It's just that every other play-in game has like a massive storyline around us. You've got Lamelo, you've got the Celtics and Westbrook, you've got LeBron versus Steph. And in this one, it kind of just feels like we've got two teams that just don't belong in the playoffs, potentially going to be in the playoffs. And it's sad, but the thing for the Grizzlies is they are their John Morant set centered around John Morant. And we know in the playoffs that that just doesn't work when you have just one team centered around one guard. It feels very Oklahoma City Thunder with Westbrook when he was there after Harden and, and Durant left. But but this, this team is built for the future. The question is just going to be how much of a future. Because you're right, if Jaron Jackson can't stay healthy, then you really are looking at it and going, who's going to be the number two to this guy? And if the answer is Valanciunas, or Brooks, then you know this team's not going far. So I think for them just to have playoff experience and keep building this chemistry is important um, just for them going forward. And it gives them that let's say that experience of what, what it is like to be in a playoff environment. But yeah, th this team has so many limitations to it that it's it's really sad to think that they're in the play they could be in the playoffs because you know they will get wiped in the first round. Yeah, I'm with Jeremy, literally. I feel like they they don't really belong there. But again, it's great experience for John Moran, who, of course, is going to be an amazing player. Uh, he's going to be probably, possibly even the future of the NBA. So it's just a great experience for him, really, just being there. The second man, it's just not good enough. I don't think, I think everyone knows this game is the, the, the player game between the Spurs and, the, uh, and Memphis is the loser of the seventh and eighth seed between the Lakers and the Warriors. So it really is just an experience builder building for both teams, really. So, yeah, I feel like the Memphis, they could beat Spurs, but then they're certain to lose against the Warriors or the Lakers. As we saw, they got uh, absolutely, not they got beaten quite badly by the Warriors. So it's a loser. It's a loser game, basically. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a casual, but I think, well, the Spurs have earned their temp seed, which is funny to say, you've earned a temp seed, but... I think it would be better if the Pelicans just made that temp seed because at least you have a narrative there between Zion and John Morant. But anyway, let's move on swiftly to those San Antonio Spurs that I was talking about. Oh, great segue there. Great producing. Anyway, this isn't the same Spurs that we all know and love. That dynasty ended a few years ago. and at this, But at this point, um, there'll still be a tough out. Lamarcus Aldridge went to the went to the Brooklyn Nets at the trade deadline, but he had to retire early, and we wish him good health after that health scare. DeMar DeRozan has transformed himself into a great playmaker, averaging seven assists per game, which is really good for him. They've still got DeJounte Murray back from injury, looking back to his former self. 16, 17 points per game, great defense. Jakob Pertl has picked up his game. He's a good all-around big <clears throat> They're pretty middle of the pack in terms of their stats, but um, however, you can throw all of that out of the window because the most important thing about this team is their coach, the, re the legendary Greg Popovich. Now, <clears throat> we saw last year with the Grizzlies that they couldn't match the experience of Lillard and the Blazers in the playing game, and they don't come more experienced than Popovich, and I think this experience will see them win in the game against Memphis. So, guys, San Antonio Spurs, legendary franchise. The Spurs are so funny because one of my friends... He's a Tottenham fan and he supports the San Antonio Spurs because they're called the Spurs, which is hilarious because if you look at the trajectory of the two teams, it's like, that is, yeah, it's, it's pretty silly. But anyway, San Antonio Spurs, guys, what are your thoughts on them and how they can perform in the playoffs this year? Yeah, th th this kind of feels like this is the, the sort of final chapter of that dynasty team that, that Popovich built. And this team still kind of feels like it's living in the year 2000 and that 
It's three-point percentage is not great. They don't really take and make a lot of threes. They still play a lot of the mid-range game and, and playing in the low post. And it's it's interesting to watch because while everyone's zigging, they seem to be zagging, but it's not doing them any benefits, hence why they are the temp seed. But yeah, it, it's kind of sad because I always see from when I've been growing up watching the NBA, the Spurs have been this legendary franchise. And this is the first time in a long time I'm seeing them sort of dip. Um, and when I say dip, they're probably going to be in this situation for quite a long time because they're almost entering NBA purgatory where you're not good enough to win a title, but you're not bad enough to get the players that you know, the one superstar in college to help you eventually win a title. So I think for the Spurs, this is their new reality for quite a long time, unfortunately for them, being around about the 10th of the eighth seed. But um, I mean, it was, it's good to see Popovich still coaching, but I think this sort of era now is finally coming to an end and needs to because they need to make a progression to the 21st century and they need to find players who can actually confidently take threes on a regular basis they just don't have enough people who do it and when it comes to the playoffs if you're only scoring you know two points and you've got all the oppositions going up there and then it's three 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 and you go two miss miss you can see why it all of a sudden becomes a big problem so I'm happy that the Povich is getting sort of one last hurrah if you like but at the same time this has been it's been pretty hard to watch yeah i just feel like uh, the spurs they've stolen the pelican spot really everyone wanted to see lonzo ball Sion. they wanted to see them in the playoff playing games that's the reason why the nba last year they created the bubble they created the playing games it was for the pelicans but the pelicans have been so disappointing everyone wanted to see Sion play in a playoff game and alongside lonzo ball but spurs being spurs being consistent as they are not a good because it's not a consistency you want to be at, but they're consistent. They managed to get into play a playing game, and I feel like they might beat the Grizzlies, but there's absolutely zero chance they will make the playoffs uh, in general. So I feel like they're outdated team with uh, with Popovich, but um, yeah, for the Spurs, not too not too promising for them really. And I feel like it was a place for the Pelicans. So yeah. Oh man, San Antonio Spurs. I'm not going to give us any good compliments about that, but. <laughs> That's been a great conversation with you guys. It's been great to talk to you about the East and the West. Um, I'm looking forward to all these playing games to see how it pans out. I'm looking forward to the playoffs this year. A lot of fans are going to be back in the arenas, so it's going to change the <clears throat> it's going to change the dynamic to how it's been before. And um, well, yeah, that's it. That's been me, Damian Adewale, American Sports co-editor for the Sports Gazette. Yeah, it's been Jeremy again. And just to say one last thing. If you can't make the 10th seed to get the playing game, I don't care if you're the Lakers or the Pelicans, you do not deserve to be in the playoffs. So I don't care that the Pelicans are out because everyone wants to watch Zion Williamson. They're an awful team with an awful coach, so they don't belong in the play-in. Yes, and Bailey Keogh, the football and combat editor of the Sports Gazette, I won't disagree with Jeremy. They're not there. Then you don't deserve to be there. I have to agree. Thank you. All right, guys, that's it from us. Um, we'll talk soon again. Thanks for listening and um, have a nice day. Thank you, guys.